Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people that know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you enjoy the following message. Who do you follow? Who do you follow? What a great question to ask as we begin our time together today. I invite you to turn in your copy of God's Word, the Bible, to the book of 1 John. It's a small, tiny book at the end of the Bible. Chapter 2, verses 3 through 6 will serve as our initial text this morning. But first, I want to tell you how excited I am to be with you today. Pastor Logan is out on vacation. Pastor Matt is leading our youth ministry in their Agape Choir mission trip. Dr. Gish is preaching at Renewal today. And so it's my opportunity to stand in the pulpit to bring God's Word and to be in God's Word with you. I always enjoy this as a sweet time of fellowship in this context with you. We are family, and by golly, uh, we are together. We are gathered here today in God's house as family. And because of that, I want to start off today by being very open, very vulnerable, very transparent with you today from the get-go. I'm going to tell you something from right here on this stage that most preachers never, ever say. Now relax. It's not going to be anything heretical. It's not going to be anything contrary to Scripture. It's not going to be anything contrary to our Christian beliefs. But as I look at today's outline, the sermon that God has laid upon my heart to bring to you today, this sermon, I've preached this sermon before. Gasp gasp yes I've preached it before it's actually a compilation of some talks that I gave last summer at kids camp to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of children and their sponsors it's a Monday through Friday camp every day there's Bible study there's recreation there's free time there's meals and uh, at the end of dinner we go to worship together and last summer is when I had the chance to bring this collection of talks to the students on one particular Thursday night, after the whole week, after spending all day in the Texas heat, one of my wonderful adult sponsors, and I have the best sponsors in kids' ministry that go to camp with me, the best, one of them captured some video footage during my lesson, and they grabbed some video footage of one young man, not in our church group, but he was sitting on the aisle and they captured this footage. They shared it with me at a later point. And I wanted you to see how this sermon outline impacted his life. We talked about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, God's plan oh. for you. Oh. No matter what color Hang team in there. you're on. Hang in there, dude. God's plan for you. God's plan oh. for me. I want you to oh. find that. Hang on. He's trying. I'm He's trying. We talked about Wow. Wow. So here's hoping and praying that it impacts you in a different manner today, right? <laughs> today is June the 5th in the year of 2022, and I can tell that it's summertime because it's going to be a million degrees today. I can tell that it's summertime because it's forecasted to be a jabillion degrees in the next couple of days, right? Our electric bills are getting higher. You go into Walmart, it's inescapable. It's summertime, right? There's swimming pools, there's pool noodles, there's 
sunscreen, there's Coca-Cola there, there's July 4th decorations already staring you right in the face. It's summertime. Today is the first Sunday in June in the year of 2022, and I'm here today to offer to you, to extend to you that today is the time for a mid-year wellness check, a spiritual mid-year checkup. In the physical realm, I can tell when it's time for a checkup. I can tell when it's time for a wellness check. Why? Because my friends over at Baylor, Scott, and White, they send me a text, right? I get a ding on my phone, and it says, Eddie, it's time to see your physician. In the spiritual realm, I can tell when I need a wellness check. I can tell when it's time to go more intimate, more deep with Christ. Maybe my behaviors, maybe my actions have steered me one direction. I'm in need of conviction. It's almost as if, as if my life is veering off course and it's going this way and it's a big road. Or this way, it's a big road. What does the Bible say in Matthew? Broad is the way, it leads to destruction. And many are those that find it. What does it also say in that verse about the narrow path? It says the narrow path leads to life and few are those that find it. And yes, the narrow path can sometimes seem very, very narrow. Let's look at 1 John, chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. This is how God's word reads. This is how we are sure that we have come to know him by keeping his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him without keeping his commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is perfected. This is how we know we are in him. Verse 6. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. As followers of Jesus... Our priority needs to be to know Christ and to pattern our life after him. To follow his example, my heartbeat for you today, my prayer for you today is that when you leave this auditorium, whether you use the three sets of doors right there, the two up top, these side doors, my heartbeat and my prayer for you today is that when you leave, you'll be able to face, after this wellness check today, face the rest of this calendar year as someone that will walk just like Jesus. Let me see a show of hands. How many of you in this room have played follow the leader? Raise them up. It's a timeless, ageless game, is it not? You learn how someone walks by watching them and then following what they do closely. In the game Follow the Leader, you don't just watch what they're doing, you imitate them, you copy them. You want to be just like them. People who know Jesus will walk as he walked. And today, we're gonna discover what that means, and we're gonna talk about how to do it. Let's go to God in prayer. Jesus, we bow before you. God, you're our audience of one. We've gathered here together as brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, to worship you, to focus on your word. God, may indeed we, we leave today with a more intimate and close walk with you, Lord. 
If conviction is needed today, God, I know your spirit will bring that about. If correction is needed, it will, it will come about. Where someone needs a loving hug or time together, they need prayer from another, God, I pray that that happens today as well. God, may we leave this place today challenged to walk like your son Jesus walked. Why? Because we have a relationship, God, with you because of all that Jesus did. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Today, we're going to look at the life of Jesus, how Jesus obeyed, how he cared for others, how he forgave, and how he still forgives, and how Jesus spoke. Number one, obey as Jesus obeyed. Now, show of hands, raise your hand if you've ever played the game Simon Says. Raise your hand up high, Simon Says. Today, we're going to play a huge game of Pastor Eddie Says. It might be a little bit different than the way you've played before, but I would encourage you, if you're able, to simply listen and participate. Pastor Eddie says, stand up. Pastor Eddie says, touch your nose. Pastor Eddie says, pat your head. Pastor Eddie says, if you're able, bend down and touch your knees. Pastor Eddie says, smile at your neighbor. Pastor Eddie says, give your neighbor a high five. Pastor Eddie says, sit down. Now, of course, we all know what's different about this game. How was it different? All of the commands came directly from me. I wasn't trying to see if I could fool you or trick you or get you out. I was looking to see that each of you obeyed the commands given, and you did great. You did great. As we begin this morning, we're going to see how we can obey as Jesus obeyed. Of course, obeying means following the leadership of someone that's in authority or supervision above you. When you think of obeying, you might think of obeying your boss. Maybe obeying a command a teacher gives you. Or a law official gives you. You might think about obeying traffic laws. Some of us are good at those. Some of us aren't. Some of you in this room might already be thinking, how is obedience to God playing out in my life today? What was Saturday like yesterday in your obedience to God? What was Friday like in your obedience to God Obeying the game, excuse me, obeying God is like our game of Pastor Eddie says. God gives us commands not to confuse us, not to fool us, not to trick us, but clear commands in his word, the Bible. He wants us to stay in a close, loving relationship with him. John 15, 9 and 10, let me read that scripture. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Jesus says that he loves us, and he tells us to remain in his love. So how do we do this? By keeping his commands. Just like he obeyed his Father, we obey him too. We can do that in the everyday situations of our life. If Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit richly indwells you, 
and prompts you and steers you in your day-to-day activities today and tomorrow. In your todays and in your tomorrows. You see, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, if we truly want to walk like Jesus walked, we don't simply obey God to follow the rules. Just to like feel good about ourselves so we don't feel guilty to check the box, I, I did this, I did this, I did this, I didn't do this, I didn't do this. We don't do that religiously, but to say yes to God, to say yes. I have a relationship with you, and because your word says this, I want to say yes to you out of my relationship. I want to do what you want me to do in my life. The familiar passage found in Psalm 119, verse 11, this is what it reads, and you could probably quote it with me. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. If we want to obey God and fill our hearts and minds, we have to be in his word. We have to know what it says. It has to be a part of our daily living. It's a living, breathing thing. It's a gift that God has given us. We must know his words. We treasure them. We can quote it when we're faced with times of temptation. God, give me strength to stand up to this. When we're reaching out to offer encouragement to someone, we can ask God's word to come into our heart that we might offer care to them. In times of trouble, in times of great gratitude, When we're thanking God for all that he's doing and blessing us in our life, scripture needs to be a part of that. Dear friends, obedience is not just obeying the rules. It's saying yes to God. Did you know that God has a plan for your life? He does. And many in this room are aware of that. Many in this room are already believers in Jesus Christ. He's their personal Lord and Savior. Some in this room might not know that. But God has a plan for you. And he wants you to say yes to that plan. It's called the gospel. The good news of Jesus. And the gospel goes like this. Maybe you've never heard it before. Number one, God rules. God rules. God created everything and he created it perfect. Perfect. He created man in his own image. He created us to have a relationship with him. God is number one. God rules. The second part of the gospel, though, is that we sinned. Early in the Bible, we read about how man went against God's commands, and sin entered into the world. You see, God is holy. He's divine. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's ever-present. And God cannot be around sin whatsoever. So our sin, that ugliness, that yuckiness, it separates us from having a relationship with God. But you know what? God loves us so much. Number three, God provided. God provided a way to get rid of all that sin so that he could dwell with us. Number four, Jesus gives. Jesus gives life. God came to the world in flesh to show us how to live, to be our example. And Jesus, ultimately, we know what he did for us. He died on the cross 
to save us from our sin problem, to clean us up as if it was a dry erase board. And Jesus was the eraser, and he erased everything off the board. Jesus gives life. He reunites us with our heavenly Father, God. The fifth part of the gospel is that we respond. Whenever the gospel is presented, whenever it's laid out, there must be a response. Did you know that? Again, many in this room have already responded in their life, yes to God, yes to Jesus, and you're walking with him in life. Another response is, no, that's not for me. I'm too smart for that. I'm too educated for that. I have way too much experience to put my belief in something of that nature. Or there might be some here today that might be saying, well, I've, I've heard this a little bit before. I'm hearing it again. Surely down the road I'll hear it another time. Maybe, maybe then that's when I might make that spiritual decision. The gospel requires a response. Dear friend, if Jesus is not the Lord and Savior of your life today, the gospel is for you on June the 5th of 2022. Say yes to Jesus today. Start your obedience with Christ today. He offers that to you today. The second example that you and I should follow, if we're truly to walk like Jesus, surrounds caring for others like Jesus cared. Matthew 9, verses 35 and 36, this is how God's word reads. Then Jesus went to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease, every sickness, When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. You see, we can show compassion and care because Jesus cared for people. He didn't want people to be distressed, to be dejected, to be all by themselves. Jesus wanted to meet their physical needs and most importantly, their spiritual needs. When we believe in Jesus and we follow him, As I mentioned earlier, the Holy Spirit richly indwells in our life, and we will want to, we will have a desire to care for others like Jesus did. There's a story in Matthew chapter 20. Jesus is talking about his death and his resurrection. And the mother of James and John comes up to him. Do you remember what she she said, what she asked him? She said, listen, Jesus, is there any possible way that you can give my boys a special status? Can you raise them up to another tier in the kingdom of heaven? Basically, can can you take care of them? Can you set them up? Can you do that? Well, surprisingly, to everyone around, Jesus tells them, do you remember what he said? He tells them how we can achieve greatness. It's by being a what? Starts with an S, servant. Jesus says the way that we can accomplish or reach greatness is by being a servant. We truly care for others when we act out of humility, when we humbly serve them. And doing so makes us care for them even better, even better. Naturally, if you look at the life of Jesus, 
He's a great example of the being a servant. He was born a servant's birth. He died a servant's death. You see, he didn't only serve those that were deemed worthy. He didn't serve those that were the smartest. They looked the best. They were sparkling. No, Jesus served the marginalized, the outcast, the sinners, those that were harder to like and love. He served those, the people that could do absolutely nothing for him. That's who he cared for. That's who he served. And of course, Jesus showed that ultimate example of service by going to the cross for us. Remember the fourth part of the gospel? Jesus gives. Jesus gives. So as we're doing this wellness check today, in the area of caring, right, deep down, like deep, deep, deep down, do you have a genuine concern for other people? Deep down in your heart, is there a level of sincerity that other people can see? John 13, verses 14 and 15 So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have told you and done for you. You see, this passage is very clear. You and I are to humbly serve others and care for others. If we want to care as Jesus cares, we have to be humble with other people, notice them, Be present and show them that we have concern for them. We must be quick, immediate. This is the hard part. We have to stop doing what we're doing to look to them to offer care as the Spirit of God prompts us in our daily life. In this passage, Jesus was showing his guys, his disciples, his humility and his desire to serve, and he was reminding them that they should be humble and serve others too. You see, washing feet, and we've, we've read the stories, we've, we've seen the illustrations. Washing feet was important in Israel because people usually would eat a meal together at a table that was low to the ground. So perhaps they sat with their legs crossed, I don't know. Maybe they sat with their legs to the side. But either way, you were up close and personal with other people's feet. And I don't even have to ask you, I mean, what do you you think that was like? I know what it's like. I mow my yard. I work outside. I know what it's like to be dirty and ugly and stinky and sweaty. And this is the kind of stuff that they were walking through, right? They're walking through this dirt and these leaves and stickers, and they were walking If they didn't have sandals on, they were bare feet walking over these big old rocks. Their heels were calloused. They were yuck. They had this stuff in between their toes. I mean, you know what it's like? And there they're trying to share a meal together. You see, if we were back in the times of the story, the responsibility of washing all of this stuff off people's feet would have been given to the least important person in the room. The least important person, right? The freshman. (laughs) 
the sixth grader at middle school, right? The new guy, the new gal at, at the workplace, right? They started yesterday. So here's all the stuff to do, right? The least important person in the room was the person that was in charge of washing this stuff off of their feet. But that's not what I read in Scripture. Jesus was the most important person in the room. The most important person in the room. And by washing the feet of his disciples, Jesus is not acting like he's more important than anybody else. He's acting like a servant. He would have been right there next to the stinky, dirty feet. He wouldn't have practiced social distancing. He would have been right up in there. That's what our Savior was doing as he cared for others. So how do you and I do this? I have three applicable points for you. Number one, be focused on others more than yourself. So it's not that constant craning your neck, right? You're, you're looking at your phone and your calendar. Okay, so now what's next for me? <laughs> what, what do I have to look forward to next? It's not craning your neck trying to see what is next, what can put a spark in your life. Caring like Jesus cared is a willingness to say what you need is more special and time-sensitive than what I want. What you need is more special and more time-sensitive than what I want. That's how you and I can focus on others more than ourselves. Number two, strive for humility. I don't have to tell you. That's contrary to our society. It is the opposite, sadly, of what I do really well. Strive for humility. Number three, the third applicable point to how you and I can care like Jesus cares is to stay broken. To spiritually stay broken. In your prayer time with God, call out to him on your knees and say, I want to serve and care like you. Help me to know and see and view those around me like you do. They're saved or unsaved. They are lost or they are found. They're hurting or healthy. They're stagnant or they're growing. A sheep outside the fence or a sheep in the pasture grazing on the green grass that God provides. Stuck in a sinful pattern or one who is quick to repent, God, and turn from what disappoints you. May that be my prayer. May that be your prayer. Staying broken spiritually is a way that we can care like Jesus cared. We should have a desire as a follower of Jesus to obey like Jesus, to care like Jesus. Our third point today is to forgive like Jesus. We're going to play another game. It's called easy to forgive it, question mark, easy to forgive it. So I'm going to share with you a number of scenarios. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And as I share each scenario, if it would be hard for you to forgive someone for, if that was projected onto you, then I want you to sit down and stay seated. 
that make sense? I'm going to share some scenarios with you. You're going to ask yourself in your mind and in your heart, would this be easy for me to forgive? And if it would be hard for you to forgive, you're going to sit down. Ready? Here we go. This is how the game's going to go. Go ahead and stand up. Thank you all for playing, too. This is fun. All right, here we go. The first scenario. Your neighbor parks their car on your lawn, even just a couple of tires. Okay, that didn't affect many people. Good. Someone insults you because of the specific clothes you are wearing. Would that be hard to forgive? Number three. A family member eats some food off of your dinner plate without asking. <laughs> right. Now, if I, were, if I were standing in the pews, I would be seated right here. You see, Eddie cooks what Eddie wants to eat. Eddie orders what he wants to eat, and Eddie doesn't share food. <laughs> no. Wow. Here's number four. Number four. A classmate stole your homework and turned it into the teacher as their own. That'd be difficult to forgive? Okay, that got a few of you. All right, we're halfway done. Hang in there. Someone harasses you with constant phone calls or text messages. Here's the next one. A supposed friend begins to neglect you, pretends that you do not exist any longer. I mean, they are ghosting you. Would that be hard to forgive? Okay, a few more people. We have two more scenarios. An employee that you supervise misused funds and defrauded your business. I know. The people standing up, they're like, I don't own a business. I'm good. <laughs> all right. All right. The last one. The last one. And this one actually affected me and my family a number of years ago. An intruder violates your home and steals your possessions. Would that be hard to forgive? The rest of you may be seated. Thank you for playing. Easy to forgive it. You know, each of these stories could be hard to forgive. Some more than others. Some might hurt a lot. Some not so much. Some might cause you to consider who are you spending your time with. But the Bible tells us that even when it is hard, we must forgive others. Even multiple times. Last Sunday, I took the day off on Memorial Day weekend. My son and I traveled out of town for the holiday to visit family. And I did really good last Sunday. I attended three worship services. Three. I know. Two of them online, and I was done by 10 o'clock. And then a third one that I went to in person. And all three of those services that I participated in had a common thread. They had a single common denominator. Pastor Logan was right here on this stage and he talked about reconciliation. 
because it's important. I attended Green Acres Baptist Church in Tyler, and Dr. Michael Gossett is preaching through the Ten Commandments. And he spoke on one last week about do not kill, do not murder. Of course, the antonym, the antithesis of that is, is love and care and concern. Conflict that's not dealt with, anger that's not dealt with, etc. Those kinds of emotions perhaps ultimately lead to that tragic, tragic choice. We know that here in Texas that's affected our communities the last couple of weeks. Reconciliation, forgiveness, it's important. The third preacher that I listened to online was Dr. Robert Jeffries from First Baptist Dallas, and his sermon was all about forgiveness. Because practicing this truth in the Bible is paramount. It's necessary in the life of a believer. It's absolutely necessary. We are commanded to do it. We must obey and we must forgive. Matthew 18, verses 21 and following. This is what it reads. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how many times could my brother sin against me and I forgive him? I mean, I mean as many as seven? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus said to him, but 70 times seven. Now, we've all done the math before. We've read this verse before. It's reminding me, it's teaching me that when one offends me, I must pray for, be led by the Spirit, seek reconciliation, seek restoration, forgive and move on. If that same individual does that again to me, I need to once again try to repair that relationship, offer forgiveness, continue to move forward. If one only offends one time and you work through it, then forget about it. Let it go. Don't let it keep coming over and over and over in your mind and in your heart, affecting the way you live. Let it go. Stop. Leave it with the Lord. It goes on in that passage to talk about a king and a group of slaves. Let me read this passage in verse 23 of chapter 18. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. That's a ton of money, by the way. Since he had no way to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, and his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. That's what the king said. That's what the master said. That has to be done. Well, at this, in verse 26, the slave fell face down before him and said, be patient with me and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that slave had compassion, the Bible says, released him and forgave him his loan. He said, the debt's done. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves, one of his employees, who owed him a very tiny, minuscule amount. And he grabbed him, the Bible says, and started choking him and said, pay me what you owe me. And at this, the fellow slave fell down and began begging him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing, that first servant wasn't willing. On the contrary, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. Well, when the other slaves 
saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed, and they went and reported to their master everything that had happened. In verse 32, then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And his master got angry and handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. Finally, in verse 35, so my heavenly father will also do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. Think about this. There are two servants in this story who both owe something. The first one owes something to the king. The second servant owes something to the first servant. But what do they owe? That first one in today's economy would be worth billions of dollars. The mere fact that he wasted his time by telling the master, I'm going to repay you everything. If you do the calculations of it, it was really absurd. That was never going to happen. That was going to be thousands of years of work wages. It wasn't going to take place. The second servant owed the first servant, like I said, that minuscule, tiny little amount, a small, small sum. The first servant should have forgiven the second one what was owed because he had been forgiven for owing so much more. That's like our living today. God has forgiven us so much, so much, but yet sometimes I, sometimes you, harbor things with one person that really amounts to nothing. May this piece of scripture be a reminder to you and to me of what God thinks about forgiveness. Lastly, in today's context, in order to walk like Jesus walked, we must attempt to speak like Jesus spoke. Obey, care, forgive, and finally speak like Jesus. We see examples in Scripture where the words of our Savior were gentle. They were kind. They were loving. They were purposeful. They were thoughtful. Everyone wanted to be around him. Everybody did. They wanted to be around him. Let's look at Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. A wonderful piece of scripture. 4, verse 6. Paul is sharing with me and you of how we should speak. What should come out of our mouths. It says in verse 6, Your speech should always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. If my speech is gracious, it's going to be wholesome. It's going to be kind. It's going to be spiritual. It's going to be thoughtful. It's going to be just like Jesus' words. And there are tons of stories where Jesus welcomes people in. And instead of hurrying them along, he's gracious with them. He gives them his time. And he treats every person as if they are important. Even if Everyone else in the room didn't think that they were. If you look at that phrase, seasoned with salt, I don't know about you, I don't add a lot of salt to my diet. I add a ton of pepper, a ton of pepper. I'm constantly flossing and using toothpicks. 
Pepper's in my teeth. When you add salt, though, to your meal, what does it do? It usually enriches the dish. It makes it taste better. As the church, we should be excited about the walk that we have with Jesus to tell other people about who our Savior is. The main point here is that your speech, your speech, my speech, should always make things better and not worse. And man, sometimes that is hard. That is difficult. It should always make things better and not worse. You don't add salt to things to make them taste worse. You add salt to things to make them taste better. Get to know Christ and your speech will show it. Your speech will show who you know. Our speech will show a bright light on who we truly are. So today in the wellness check, how have you graded out? I know the Baylor Scott and White app sends me my test results. And boy, I want those numbers to be in the green. I don't want them to be on that orange and definitely I don't want them to be in that red. Where are your numbers today and your spiritual mid-year wellness check? You can answer that. I can't answer it for you. We must obey like Jesus. We must care like Jesus. Forgive like Jesus still forgives. And we must speak, excuse me, speak like Jesus It's a lofty goal. It's an ambitious goal to tackle June through December in this calendar year. But it is worth it to change your course if it needs to be changed. To go down that narrow path that leads to life and to walk like Jesus walked. You know, life is short. Life is short. Which is why it is so vital to know Christ and to live for him as a testimony to others so that others would come to faith in Jesus Christ. This is why walking like Jesus walked is so imperative. It's a must for the life of a Christian. In in Psalm 90, Moses used the picture of grass growing up. And the noonday sun comes and pelts on top of it. And the grass fades away. Jonathan Edwards, the great preacher, this is what he says. The great preacher said, I resolve to live with all my might while I do live. I resolve never to do anything I wouldn't be doing if it were the last hours of my life. James, near the end of the Bible, depicts life in chapter 4 as what? A mist. A mist that appears for just a little while. And then what does mist do? It goes away. It vanishes. So today, recognize that time is precious. In your todays, speak words of love to your family. In your todays, offer encouragement to your coworkers. In your todays... Show kindness to the less fortunate. Do good to others in your todays. Restore broken relationships. Bring healing to misunderstanding and confusion in your todays. Where the water is troubled, bring peace to the troubled waters. 
Share with someone today the good news of Jesus Christ. Share the gospel with someone today and tell them, and if it's you again today, I'm telling you, God has a plan for your life. If you would just but look to him, follow him, place your trust in him, and live for him, and walk like Jesus walked. Do these things in your todays while you still have them. Let's go to God in prayer. Jesus, once again, we bow before you. We thank you for the power of your written word who is alive today to impact our living, to enhance our walk with you so that we might be intimate with you as we daily take up our cross and follow you. God, I pray that now that we are at the mid-year point of the calendar, God, I pray that you would help me and help my brothers and sisters my new friends in the room, help us, God, to take up that challenge that we've heard today from you to walk like your son Jesus walked, God. May we be people of obedience. May we be people of care, forgiveness. And God, may our speech always, always, always speak about how powerful and loving and caring and how merciful and how just and righteous, God, you are. Thank you for this sweet time of fellowship in your word. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I come before you this morning reminding you that the gospel is for everyone. At the conclusion of our service, I'm going to be right here, right here. And I'm not going to leave this area until the overwhelming majority head to Sunday school. So if you're someone that wants to know for the first time how to become a believer in Jesus, you say God has a plan for me, then show me. Come up here. I'd love to talk to you about that. I'll show you from Scripture how you can have a faith walk with Jesus. We have counselors right out that back door in our Connection Central. Don't leave today. The only way that you and I can walk like Jesus is if we have a relationship with God through Christ. That's the starting point. That's an invitation that the gospel gives to you. Say yes to the gospel today if you've never done so. If you are a person in need of prayer today, our counselors are back in the back. I'm right here at the front. If you need more information about the life and the ministry of our church, you can see me right here at the front. You can go back to the back. However God leads you, I encourage you to respond in faith. Please stand as we sing. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.